0: Welcome, everybody, into the podcast, uh, which we have so cleverly named Peter's Proffer. Uh, my name is Peter Tragos. I'm one of the attorneys at the Law Offices of Tragos, Sardis, and Tragos. We practice personal injury and criminal defense, and this is something fun and different that we're doing for the year 2018. We decided to uh, try to put together a podcast that will benefit and educate the general public. It's not an advertising venture. We're not going to be selling you any services. We're not going to be advertising to you. We're not going to be telling you how great we are, how big our verdicts are, how many cases we win. Um, Instead, we're going to be answering some frequently asked questions um, that we have come across from our clients, as well as uh, some of the marketing companies that we employ. They have these algorithms that populate the most asked questions by people looking for lawyers um, or people that are in legal situations. So we're going to go through a bunch of them. We're also going to uh, interview some of our former clients, ask them what it's like as a layperson to kind of go through the legal process, how they looked for a lawyer, what uh, they realize about the process that we might not even realize on on our end of it. And then most frequently what we're going to do is give a legal analysis of current events, um, meaning giving you a lawyer's perspective on what's going on in the news, in pop culture, and sports that may uh, scratch the legal surface or cross over into the legal field. Um, so we named the podcast Peter's Proffers because I'm Peter Tragos. I'll be hosting the podcast. Uh, the other lawyers, Peter Sardis and our founding father, literally, George Tragos, will also be on the podcast from time to time. Um, And a proffer is a legal term that means uh, a preliminary offering. Uh, It's also known as an offer of proof. What it basically is, is instead of calling a bunch of witnesses to explain something to a judge for the judge to be able to make a ruling in court, the lawyer can just explain it shorthand so that the judge will have enough information to be able to make a ruling. For instance, instead of calling a bunch of witnesses to explain how the accident happened... A lawyer can instead say, judge, the witnesses are going to say the red car turned left and hit the blue car and the person in the blue car got injured, which is enough information for the judge to make a decision. So that's what we're going to do here. We may not read you all the scholarly articles, give you the dictionary definitions of everything, but we will explain it in enough detail so that you as the layperson will understand what's going on. Hopefully we can answer some of your questions. If you have any more specific questions, feel free to email us at info at greeklaw.com, I-N-F-O at G-R-E-E-K-L-A-W.com. Our website is tragoslaw.com, and we're going to have some fun. So thanks for joining in with us, and uh, we hope you enjoy the podcast. All right, and we're going to jump into today's topic, which hits our home state of Florida, uh, about as much as any state in the United States, but it's hitting our country as a whole, and that's kind of the opioid epidemic. Um, And the reason we're bringing this up is there's new legislation that's proposed in Florida that's going to try to curb the opioid abuse, and the reason it's so relevant in Florida is, as everybody knows, grandma, grandpa, mom and dad, aunt and uncle, everybody wants to retire in Florida. So our average age is so much higher than every other state, and it is an epidemic epidemic really hitting the elderly community as well as the younger community as a recreation drug. So the legislature is is trying to curb that opioid abuse. And uh, our co-host slash guest today is Pete Sardis, and and he's going to start out by telling us exactly what that proposed legislation is. Hello, everybody. Pete Sardis here. Uh, Peter's
1: right. Interesting uh case law coming through the legislature and I we expect that it's going to be this session where some major changes happen. Governor Scott here in Florida has actually proposed this legislation and here's the basics. It's a big proposal but the highlights uh, some major topics. Here's what they're proposing. Number 1, They want to propose a three-day limit on opioids unless you meet some super strict conditions, at which point you can then have a seven-day supply, which is far different from the 30, 60, 90, 120-day supplies that physicians are prescribing currently. Next, there is going to be a state, or they're proposing, they want there to be a statewide database so they can monitor patients that are taking opioids. That way they can curb some doctor shopping, meaning that you can't go to multiple doctors and get multiple prescriptions for opioids. Uh, the, The system would require you to be tracked. Number three, the governor is proposing an additional $50 million added to the Florida budget. And that uh, budget item is supposed to include treatment and substance abuse dollars in addition uh, there are law enforcement dollars that are going to be earmarked so you can they can combat unlicensed pain management clinics we'll talk about what that is a little bit later uh, in addition something that's really interesting is the governor wants there to be availability of something called pill lock boxes think of it kind of like a little safe where you put your, your medications inside that has a a lock and key so that it makes it more difficult for people to take your pills. Uh, Finally, there's also some increased penalties for crimes that are going to be associated with the distribution of pain medications.
0: And now that we kind of know what the proposed legislation is going to be, we should probably back up and talk about what opioids actually are. Um, If you're listening to the podcast, my guess is you have some interest in the topic. But I think when a lot of people think opioids, they simply think heroin, but there are also synthetic forms of heroin, basically, which are the opioids that are prescribed by a lot of these doctors. Um, So, Pete, why don't you talk about a little bit about what is included in these opioids that are being prescribed by doctors every day in Florida and around the country? It's really the synthetics
1: that is the focus uh, of the legislation because the synthetics are, in fact, legal. They are prescription pills. We're talking about things like hydrocodone, hydromorphone, um, codeine. Heroin is a synth. Actually, these are all synthetics of heroin. You've also got things like fentanyl, codeine. Some of you have heard of the trade names like Vicodin, Dilaudid, Lortab. This is uh, this is the mainstay of what
0: opioids are. And what opioids do is relieve pain. I mean, simply put, that's why the doctors prescribe them. Somebody comes in, they say, my back hurts, I got in a car accident, my neck hurts, or I'm having stomach pain. It might be an ulcer, it might be uh, kidney stones, and, you know, the first thing they usually do is prescribe this pain medication. Uh, The issue is it's highly addictive, and it's very easy to move once you get it. Um, So that's kind of what the legislature is looking at is when these drugs are prescribed, they want to make sure that they're only prescribed in the right situations, they're not being over-prescribed, and they're not being prescribed when they're not needed. Um, that, that meaning that a doctor won't prescribe them to somebody that doesn't actually need this form form of opioid, but also that they're not prescribing them with three refills without seeing a doctor and things like that where people can just go and continuously get pills without being continuously checked out to make sure that they continue to need these opioids. Um, so one, one of the issues Pete's going to talk about now is how doctors are supposed to determine what a patient needs and what the doctors can be prosecuted for if they're not handling these patients appropriately. There is actually law set forth that physicians
1: and pharmacists have to follow when they prescribe or when they fill prescriptions for uh, for opioids. You know, you can't just walk in and say, hey, give me some hydrocodone. The key is there's supposed to be a condition that justifies uh, the, um, the prescription. There has to be... Uh, Indication of pain. There has to be blood tests or urine tests to confirm that the the patient is not in fact overdosing. The pharmacies are supposed to to keep an eye on how many prescriptions go through their um, through their pharmacies to be certain that people aren't in quote losing a lot of pills throughout the month. Uh, and the doctors are obligated to monitor these patients to make sure that they're coming in at regular intervals to to assess them to make sure they're still uh, you know candidates for these drugs. But let's be real. If you've ever had your wisdom teeth pulled, you got a prescription for an opioid. If you've ever, you know, had a surgery, you got a prescription for an opioid. You broke your bone. You you broke an arm or a leg. You were in a car accident.
0: You have a prescription for an opioid. Um, They're everywhere and it's rampant. And the next step with what makes that dangerous is everybody's walking around with them and some people don't really need them. I remember all the way back now, because I'm getting so old, all the way back to high school. I broke my leg, had surgery, uh, go back to school, and I have a bottle of Percocet to take every, you know, four to six hours or whatever, because I had pins in my leg. It was a horrible surgery. I was in a ton of pain. Um, So I was allowed to take those pills while at school. Um, I went to a private Christian school, and, you know, I had my pills that I would take when I needed them, and I was being sought out by a couple kids at school asking if they could buy my Percocet for me. Um, And, you know, at the time I was like, why do you want to buy my Percocet? And looking back now, they obviously wanted to go resell it for even more because they realized they could sell it by the pill. And it's just so easy to get it in schools because parents will trust their kids to have a bottle of of painkillers with them if they go through something like a traumatic surgery or something where they have pain because you don't want to be away from school for six months because you're bedridden because of the pain. And opioids fix that but it's just so easy to get out because of how much it's being prescribed and how readily available it is just in the general public. And, you know, this is an issue that hits the United States harder than any other country. And, and Pete has a story about that really, how it it really will indicate what the difference is here when you go to the hospital or the ER here. And when you go in another country and how they handle it. When
1: I, um, a couple of years back, I was in the hospital. I had some chest pains. It wound up being absolutely nothing. Thank God. But, the physicians come and see me, and they're like, look, what's your pain level? And, you know, I tried to be as, as honest as I could, and I told them it's probably about a seven. So the, the doctor comes in and says, I'm going to prescribe you some, uh, some, uh, some morphine, which is in fact an opioid. I said, doc, listen, do me a favor. I, I'm not a big fan because i not only being a lawyer, I've, you know, I'm not a big pill person myself. He's like, listen, you're not going to get hooked. It'll be fine. I'm just going to give you a couple to kind of take the edge off. Ladies and gentlemen, I know why people like these pills the feeling that you get, you get warm and fuzzy and all of your senses become numb. So if you're in pain, you're not in pain anymore. And if you, if you want to escape life, this is the way to do it because you literally are gone for hours at a time uh, in, in La La Land. And you have this you know, wonderful sensation until it goes away. I had a good friend of mine who was in Greece years ago, and he was young at the time, and he winds up having an emergency open heart surgery, and I I remember him telling me the story, and I thought it was funny at the time because he's telling me he's in the hospital. He just cracked his chest open. He's got all these stitches from top to bottom, and he says, Doc, I'm in pain, and the doctor says, I understand you are in pain. You just had the open heart surgery. The guy says, no, doc, you don't understand. I'm in a lot of pain. Can you give me something for the pain? Yes, of course. And he gives him a couple of aspirin. The guy, and my friend's like, no, 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 doc. I don't think I'm making myself clear. Obviously, I must not speak good Greek. You must not speak good English. You got any like Vicodin? You got any anything like that? And he says, son, we don't prescribe these things for your condition here in Greece. And the guy's like, doc, I just had open heart surgery. What could possibly be anything more serious than this? And the doctor literally was unwilling to give him anything like that. He says to him, actually, to make him feel good. Do you see this woman here? She's 80 years old. She's dying. We don't give her these pills. Why do you think
0: you need them? Which is crazy to think about because here, if I break my finger, I can get some Percocet at the ER with no problem whatsoever. And we deal with this a lot in all different practice areas that we have. Um, in our personal injury cases, which is primarily what I do, um, we have some. We have them all over the spectrum. We have some clients that will go to these pain management clinics every thirty days, bust down the door, begging the the doctor for pills. The doctor will tell them, "Listen, you don't need them anymore. We're not prescribing them to you anymore." And the client will get mad. We have them on the other side of the spectrum where the client doesn't even want to take a single. Percocet or a single Vicodin because they're worried about getting hooked they're worried about once they start the pain's never going to feel as good off the pills so they don't even want to start taking the pills Um, I had one client in particular that said you know this one little pill that sits in my pocket makes me think about all day I'm in the pain I'm in the pain do I want to take this pill because the ones that understand the epidemic realize what taking one of these pills can do and it can set you on a spiral that just can go out of control. Not much different than the line from the movie, 10 Things I Hate About You. If you have sex, you will get chlamydia and you will die. And while that was a a humorous line in the movie, it can become a stark reality when dealing with opioids. Um, We also deal with it on the criminal side and I'll let Pete talk about that a little bit. We have some doctors that have gotten in trouble for it before. We also have some clients that have, you know, been involved in buying and selling these pills and how easy it is really just to get your hands on them.
1: What's terrifying is about 20 years ago when I was the public defender's office, you'd walk inside of a courtroom and you could pick the drug addicts or the uh, the people that were hooked. You could pick them out. You see people that were hooked on heroin because they have the needle marks everywhere. Uh, the hair, the, um, the crack addicts all had, uh, you know, sores and, uh, they were, they were horribly thin and the, the, the marijuana, uh, users, you know, were just basically stoned and burned out and they just had red eyes and they spoke very slowly, but you could, I could compartmentalize these clients of ours, uh, back in then, you know, the lower socioeconomic demographics, that was crack. The, um, you know, the, the, um, you know, young people, those were what we would call the burners. Today, if you walk into a courthouse, you will see an epidemic that has changed this country. Very rarely do you find, I mean, you still find, you know, cocaine users, you still find crack users, but you find people that abuse prescription pills at a level far greater than we ever saw uh, of all the other combined drugs. And the horrible part about it is it it breaches all socioeconomic demographics, poor people, rich people, white people, black people, male, female, straight, gay, it doesn't matter. These um, these drugs uh,
0: span every demographic. And we've all heard the phrase uh, high-functioning drug addict. Well, there's never been more high-functioning drug addicts than there are now because of these prescription pills. And another aspect that makes it so dangerous is these pills mixed with... Other drugs or alcohol can become just catastrophic. Uh, We've had some clients that have gotten DUIs where they're like, we had one beer. Oh, but you also abuse prescription drugs. Well, that really changes how one beer can affect you when you're out to dinner and you're driving home and you can just lose it and, and... cause a DUI accident. Um, it, it's scary the way that these pills can affect people and they don't understand. And that's kind of another issue with the doctors is they need to educate these people that are the clients and the patients that they're giving these pills is how it can really affect your life. And I think the legislature is stepping in, forcing the hands of the doctors and the hands of the patients saying that you can't take these so carelessly. This is not a Tylenol. This is not an aspirin. This is something much more addictive and much more stronger than any of those other pills, which is why it needs to be handled differently. Um, so the way that they're doing that, one of the ways they're doing it, that is with threatening heavier criminal charges based on these pills. And again, this is a bill that has not been passed yet, but this is just something that's being proposed in Florida. So I'll let Pete talk about kind of the differences in how they're going to handle these charges criminally. We have this uh, law in the state of Florida. It's called felony murder. And it basically means
1: if you 're engaged in a felony and somebody dies, you can be charged with murder the murder of that person uh, just as easily as you could be charged if somebody actually pulled the trigger on a gun. This legislation has some infor- has some line items in it that actually increase the penalties for people that uh, abuse prescriptions and people that provide prescription drugs and they want to uh, increase some of these penalties to be like felony murder, in other words. If you dispense or distribute um, these prescription pills to someone and somebody
0: dies because of them, the state wants to change the law that you can be charged with murder of that person. The the scariest thing about this is just there are so many ways and avenues to make money off of these opioids. And I, I, for one, feel good that the legal department of our state is trying to step in and cut off some of these people at the knees, not allowing them to take advantage of addicts and people that are in pain to make money off them by ruining their lives with these drugs. And it's I'm not talking about some specific doctor. I'm not talking about some specific lawyer. I'm not talking about some funding company or somebody that gives them money to go buy drugs. The point is, is as a whole, the state of Florida and the Justice Department needs to look out for its citizens. And I think that's exactly what this bill would do in not allowing these opioids to be prescribed and out there so easily and so readily available for someone that wouldn't be your average addict. And these are becoming such a serious gateway drug to the young people in our state because it's not as scary as heroin or cocaine or anything like that. And it's not as expensive as some of those drugs. And it's just easier. Everybody's taken an Advil or a Tylenol before your parents give them to you. Your parents may even give you a Percocet or a Vicodin. So it's not as preached against in the home and at the schools and that's really what needs to change. And I think that you know this dialogue will really help change that in Florida. And I think we should do our part as educators, legally speaking, to really speak out against this, make sure the parents are aware that this is a problem. And this is something that's going all the way up the chain of command in Florida, at least, as something that needs to change. You would never ask, most of us at least, would never
1: ask our friend to you know borrow some of their cocaine. We'd never think about asking a, a family member, to get us some heroin, but we don't have any problem asking them to borrow their prescription pills because we know they work. And we know that their prescription, which means they came from some FDA controlled laboratory somewhere and not out of some guys, you know, back, uh, you know, back room. The reality being um, when the state of Florida prescribes more opioids than the entire United States combined, we have a serious problem. And you know, we don't know what the legislation is going to look like because, again, we don't. It's going to take a lot of changes, and there's going to be a lot of revisions before the uh, the law is actually passed. But it's got to help curb um, the reality that people get hooked on these things and they can't fight the addiction. It's not like getting off of cocaine. It's not like weaning yourself off of uh, off of crack. The people that are addicted to uh, pain pills are recidivized, meaning they reoffend in far greater numbers than we see the average drug addict.
0: One of the differences really between it being a different drug and, and an opioid is if you're hooked on this stuff early, there's going to be another time in your life where you break your leg, you get in a car accident, where you're going to need another opioid and it's going to affect you forever. Even if you rehab the problem and you get better and you get off the pills, there's going to come a time in your life where you actually medically do need these pills. That's what makes it so scary. And that's what makes us really need to prevent that initial addiction from happening. Um, So, you know, that's pretty much all we have today. Uh, I appreciate everybody listening and we'll be back for more.